This is uh, Joshua Bell and the Kilt in the Cloth as we continue our Tuesday morning Bible study. And we are in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 57. And part of the reason I wanted to stop here last week so that we could have a deeper discussion was I want to talk a little bit about uh, Caiaphas. So um, my professors, uh, Dr. Carter, who, who wrote the commentary for the New Interpreter's Bible, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and he is known for um, uh, throughout the world as being uh, a Matthew scholar. And uh, really, um, early Rome, Rome in general, uh, scholar. He's he's just he's just really good about this. He talks about Caiaphas specifically. Now, Caiaphas. Um, one of the things that's interesting is, is the 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 high priest uh, could stay the high priest until death. So it, it was a it was a Jewish practice that the, the high priest. Would would stay in that role until death. It was uh, something that you you had to uh, you 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 had to go through a bunch of stuff in order to become high priest. It, it was it was a it was a great honor. Interesting. Sounds like, sounds like Supreme Court. Yeah. No. It it, it really kind of was. Um, the problem with it was is that you didn't usually serve for twenty seven years. Uh, Caiaphas was in office uh, for a really long time. And during that time frame, interestingly enough, historically, he was able to navigate a lot of things within the Roman Empire, uh, not necessarily always to the benefit of the uh, Jewish culture, uh, but in in theory and practice, it would have been. Uh, So introducing Caiaphas at this point in the story, according to Matthew, is wanting you to see kind of the corruptness of even the religious leaders of the time, um, which is supposed to be impenetrable, right? Like you, it's, it's what we always do to preachers. We always put preachers on this pedestal and say, uh, well, they, they could never do wrong. And and when they do fall from grace for lots of reasons, um, because they're human for number one, but the, we, we are always shocked you know, you, you always hear people say, oh, but they were such a good person. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, yeah, but there are also those that take advantage of that power and authority that comes with the cloth um, for their good, sometimes for the good of others. But most of the time, those folks fall from grace a, a lot harder and uh, quicker in the public eye than than most. So. So I, I point out this because the Jewish religious elite, uh, <clears throat> the Sanhedrin, uh, are a different culture than uh, the religious elite um, or the other elite. So the Roman elite. So in the Jewish culture, one of the, the subgroups is the, the religious elite. That includes the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the um, and uh, the Sadducees, all in in this one little category, um, and they kind of were a good old boys club, and it wasn't it was not good. Um, the, the funny thing is, anthropologically, we have no proof of this. the The only thing that we have of this is is that um, 
what we have in scripture that there was a moment here that showed at the culture uh, started to eat itself from within. Um, so, so I, I, I have to point that out because one of the things that Dr. Carter pointed out to us in the class uh, multiple times was the, the, was the, the fact that Jesus has to go through all of this for Matthew to prove his um, messianic lifestyle. Like he has to go through all of this to show that not only is Rome falling, but even our religious leaders have fallen so much so that even Caiaphas, you know, everyone that knows Caiaphas, even he was corrupt at this point. So I, I just point that out before we get started because it's going to kind of go fast yeah. today. One quick question. Yep. Did um, did Rome appoint Caiaphas or did the Jewish people appoint him or whoever? The it's, Jewish it's funny you should ask that. So uh, Dr. Carter says that Rome appointed him. Uh, so that, Herod. Huh? Herod. Um. Well, he'd been in for 27 years. So this this is, it, it could have been Herod the Great. Could have been Herod the Great that appointed him. Uh, so by this point, it's it's uh, Herod Antipas. So, um, so there's a little bit of a weirdness there. It's probably the grandfather or the great the dad uh, or the grandfather. I can't. Yeah, it's grandfather. Rome's there anyway now. So he's yeah, he's fully ingrained. It's at their bidding that he's still there. Yes, and and this and this is definitely what Matthew is wanting you to know is is that there was there was no way that Jesus coming into Jerusalem would have worked at that time. Like Jesus has to tear it all down and rebuild it back up. If he's going to become the new emperor of the world, even, even the religious elite. So that were appointed by Rome. That's what Dr. Carter would say. Now I've had another professor say that the people appointed Caiaphas. Now I, I tend to believe this is more of a faith-based statement than a historical state statement, because if the people continue to follow Torah in a perfect world, then Caiaphas's lineage would have led him into being the high priest in the first place. The, the problem with that is, is we don't have Caiaphas's lineage. So how they know that we're, we're not really sure, but um, I have heard faith-based arguments that said Caiaphas was he was he was led that way I, I either way I don't think it negates the fact that Matthew is wanting you to see that Jesus is going to be a new ruler that Jesus's kingdom is more powerful than Rome's and the, the religious elite that serve Jesus's people um so whether it's a faith-based answer or a historical-based answer, it um, they they both support themselves. I always looked at it that not always, but Caiaphas is between a rock and a hard place, no matter what's happening. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Carter does not give him that much grace. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would go with with you, what you said, but Doctor Carter was not uh, complimentary to Caiaphas's behavior. Because he also gets been brought up in other gospels and other texts outside of this, um, 
doing the same skeezy behavior. Seems like anybody that's in power for 27 years. Is... Yeah, you, you'd think so. Through different uh, administrations of Roman leadership, he's managed to stay stay afloat, too. Which is, says a lot. Yeah, that means there's some skill there in mm -hmm. navigating political climates. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's uh let's start if you all are okay. Did you have any more questions? I don't I don't want to cut anything off. No. I oh. I don't really go on a rabbit trail if I so it makes okay. it Well we definitely want to get to uh I, I definitely want to get over to uh well we want to get to Pilate today. We'll see how we go. But those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance. So uh, just just to kind of point that out, notice that Caiaphas's house is big enough that it can hold the scribes and the elders all by itself. Now that part we know, like that that we think that we know kind of where his thing was. So he definitely prospered from being high priest. Uh, it's there's a lot of them. That's the part I want you to understand. And Matthew would have understood. There would have been a lot of scribes. And elders uh, or Pharisees, as some trans, uh, some translated as, so it's a big house. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, <clears throat> he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. So not only that, but now Caiaphas has guards. Can I ask a question yep. too? The fact that it's at his house and not maybe where they should have court, yeah, is that significant? Very much so. Yeah, so it's, it's it's a mock trial. As all of the Gospels will do, anything that happens bad happens at night. So now the chief priest and the whole council are looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might be put might put him to death. But they found none. Uh, though many false witnesses came forward, at least two came forward and said, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is that who struck you? So, um, <clears throat> sorry, I, um, throat's all dry, but... Uh, this this beating and rejecting of the prophets, uh, you know, pro prophesy to us as as all of this is happening is who, who hits you? Who I mean, you know, because they spat in his face. He's he's having this moment. Did you see who hit you? Type of thing. Um, this this is a weird little thing here, um, but it it's not so in Torah. There are a couple places there that the punishment is not necessarily death, but uh, flogging, public flogging or stoning. 
Uh, one of those is adultery, and one committing adultery uh, is to be stoned. Uh, one that uh, lasts only, female. only females. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, men can too, also, but it's a little bit weird. You have to prove it. Uh, we don't. It, it, so there's a, a little weird thing. Um, the uh, the legal side of this would be if if a, if a person blasphemed God, that's a death sentence. Um, the flogging, however, uh, is is just a a public punishment for everyone to see that this is wrong. What's the problem with that? Where are we in the midst of this story? Passover. Yes, I'm thinking specifically where physically are they? House. Yes, they're in his house. They're not making a an uh, an image of him so the rest of the community sees how he blasphemes. They just beat him up inside of Caiaphas's house. No one else gets to see this, so there's no. No, no, but public display of what, what he has done is wrong. We're just going to beat him up. Doesn't it just take two people, though? I mean, yes, two people saying that he did something wrong to, and and, him, and you just have your two. proof. You got your two. I mean, they said and Jesus was the second. <laughs> um, real quick, he declares himself uh, son of man. Mm -hmm. You'll see him sitting at the right hand of God. They can't see God. Mm -mm. I mean. But the language is blasphemous to them. Well, he's already said that, admitted that I'm son of God. Mm -hmm. Then he mm -hmm. says he's son of man. And then the only thing is, I understand, but there's no one would ever, for them, no one would ever see whether he sits at the right hand of God or not. Right. Or, Right. Even with him. I mean, yeah, you know, he's just quoting scripture. He's he's uh he's he's definitely, you know, he's quoting, I think, Daniel. Um, he's 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 putting it out in their face to say, here's here's how this is going to be different, and this is how I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of God when God takes over this realm. Yeah, I guess where I was headed at's the only way they can see him. Yeah, if they change their belief. Yeah, and acknowledge that they can get to heaven. That's right. I mean, well, now we have a heaven, according to Matthew, which to them is also blasphemous, because when you die, you just die. Yeah. Well, they they got him. I mean. Yep. There it is. He's he's done enough. And then did you did y'all catch the part where he rents his clothes? Yeah. That this is always this is a thing in the Hebrew Bible that they always do it in great amounts of distress. They rent their clothes and. Uh, uh, and I, I I remember asking my Hebrew Bible professor, why? I mean, clothing is expensive, expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even even back then. And she's like, well, it's the most valuable thing that they have on their body. <clears throat> and it's also physically uh, a, you're able to see it. Um, it's a display. Everybody sees it then. I'd be getting dressed in the morning going, is this going to be a clothes ripping day? <laughs> right. I want to make sure right. I wear Good clothes ripping clothes. Yeah, this is this is the okay. So we're gonna have Jesus in, in my house. So I I do want to point out that it's always it it always had to take place in public. That's not where this has happened. 
He's had a mock trial. This is not how that should have happened. Um, and uh, Caiaphas does not get to hold court in his courtyard. Like, that's not how this works. The part that I wanted you also to catch with the guards is, is that everybody that was in there knew that if they told or went out of there without permission, the guards would have stopped them. So uh, this is orchestrated by Matthew to let you understand that everything about this mock trial is is uh, accentuated or exacerbated. <clears throat> Peter's there, but wouldn't he know? Even if, well, I won't say even if Jesus is the son of God, but still everything that happened would require death yep. in, in, their, in their world. So I guess what I'm trying to say is even though he knows who he is, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Matthew is wanting us to think that Peter is still putting those pieces together and he doesn't get it. I, I, I'm not arguing what you said, just everything that's happened, whether it was in public or not. Oh, okay. Is the results would be the same. Right. The results would be the same. So all the people in this house are Jewish. Very much so. So the guards and everybody. Well, the guards, I I, I need to be careful of. I, I mean, theoretically, they would be. They're getting paid by Caiaphas. They're getting paid by Caiaphas. So say, I guess the people that, in, that are important in the story, they're all Jewish. Yeah. Should it's almost like they're trying to get their story together or mm -hmm. all of it. Because I've... I hate. I, I need to be careful here, but even at different times, as Jesus goes through the process, they seem to close the gates. I mean, they have a a paid captive audience. That's it's not like it's in public or everybody in Jerusalem's not getting the vote. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Right. All right. So here you go. You ready? Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. <clears throat> but he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Now, notice that they've pointed out both places, his, his hometown and the, the region. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Because <coughs> he's, I'm um, okay. I, I'll just get it out and it'll, we'll get it on the recording and <laughs> just be all over the mic. But I, I appreciate the offer. We got tissues here. Yeah, we got um, tissues. Uh so the accent is. Let me get you a drink of water. Oh my goodness, the the the, Gal, the Galileans have a very distinct accent, and it was funny because they like to accentuate it to this to the day. Uh, when I was uh, when I was there, the the town that Peter's from is a, a town called Tiberius, uh, and it's in Galilee, and it's right off the Sea of Galilee. I mean, like it's it's just like a a coastal town you're, you're sitting there you can see the beach you can see it all and peter is extremely important to them uh 
that was the place that I had a stake. Uh, everybody thought I was crazy, but here we are. We're having this town that Peter's known being from. And, and uh, thanks, man. Tiberius is known for Peter's fish, which is freshwater tilapia. And they, they fry it in a certain way, which means that they've taken out the stuff, but they fry it whole. So you've got this fish face looking at you with the batter on it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm not, you all know me. I mean, very experimentative when it comes to food, but they're like, but you should try it. I did try peace. Thank you. I don't want a whole fish. <laughs> I've the, the other thing that Tiberius is known for is their cattle farms. So we go and we find the steak place and they all thought I was crazy because they still wanted to eat falafel and shawarma by this point. And I'm like, we've had it literally every meal, guys. Uh, you know, it's seven days into this and uh, I want a, a real steak. And they're all joking. And I said, and then I want a Coke Zero because we're here. Um, and we found this place and the guy, I, for the life of me, cannot remember his name because I'm telling you the story. He said, I want you all to notice that my accent is different. And 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 we're, we're like, what? He goes, because we're from Tiberias, we speak differently than the other folks that you saw in other places. Um, and, and then, of course, then proceeded to tell me how much his steak is better than other places around this area and that his fish would be better. And, and then the funny thing was, is that, you know, I'm from southeastern Oklahoma and I pay attention to accents. And I noticed that as we continued on our journey, their accent was different. Remember, he's a fisherman. Peter would have been. And he would have been from this place. And sure enough, this is true. So the audience that's listening to this would have recognized in the same way that Okies do, that we speak differently in different parts of the state, that they recognize that, Peter, uh-uh, you're not from Jerusalem. There's no way. And and when you get in Jerusalem, there is kind of a air to their accent. It, I I don't want to say it's hoity-toity, but it's it, it's a uh, it, it's definitely a lifted um, accent when especially when they're speaking Hebrew. Um, I put it in the same category as like Spanish. There's Castilian Spanish that you speak that we teach in school, and then there's Mexican or Central American. It's not the same. It's the same idea, but it's it's not the same. So uh, I have to point this out because Peter gets caught, actually doesn't, but he gets noticed because of all of the things. They point out Jesus's region. Then they point out his hometown. Then they notice that Peter speaks similarly to Jesus. That's important. Uh, anthropologically, this would have been a big deal especially to the audience that Matthew would have been writing to because who would have been listening? People from Galilee. Matthew's audience were Galileans. And all of a sudden it, they go, that means he's just like us. Denying Jesus. Denying, yeah. Denying Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> but then what does it do? If, if Peter denies Jesus, then we should not. We know better than Peter. <clears throat> so then he goes. Peter denied Jesus and was forgiven. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Forgiven for anything he's done. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's brilliant writing. <clears throat> so for your accent betrays you. Then he then he began to curse and he swore an oath. I do not know the man at that moment. The cock crowed. And then Peter remembered what Jesus had said before the cock crows. You will deny me three times. And he went out and whipped, wept bitterly. <clears throat> OK, so I'm going to pause right there. I want to talk about Pilate. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Carter wrote an entire book about Pontius Pilate because there's a lot written about him. I have the book in my office in some box right at the moment, but um, he, uh, um, he has a little bit more, Dr. Carter gives a little bit more of a slant towards Pontius Pilate and his Romanism. I guess I don't know how I would call it. He was a he was a really good um, politician. The interesting thing is is that after Jesus's death, uh, we hear of a story that he's called back to Rome, and uh, he's never written about again, uh, which is abnormal. Um, in the Roman world, if he had done such a good job, um, then that would have that would have continued to be written about. But somehow uh, he's he's here. They write about him. Some would say I would say our, uh, historians would say that a lot of historian, not the, the Romans blamed him uh, for the revolts that took place after Jesus's death. Um, and that's why we don't hear about him after that. After Jesus's death, there was a whole bunch of revolutionary movements where people would go and throw sticks at the soldiers and <clears throat> and, and, and cause, you know, terrible nuisances as terrorists and uh, as they threw sticks and spit on the Roman soldiers and stuff and then got killed and died and um, slowly turned into what we called martyrism in the second century. But uh, Pontius Pilate, however, does not answer to the Sanhedrin. This is the part I want you to get. Um, so this is where our, our, our embedded theology is dangerous. Remember, most of the stuff that we have is homogenized. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all put together. Remember that each of these gospels were written for a specific geographic area uh, with focus. So there's a purpose for each of them. So Matthew wants you to recognize that Pilate uh, is doing his job as the Roman governor of this area and that the Sanhedrin really can't persuade him. Uh, but what we have preached it as is, well, the Jews killed Jesus. No. Matthew wants you to know the Romans did. Because they can. Um, the Jews may have said things uh, that may have persuaded other people, but the Romans don't get down to the Jewish level, right? They're like fleas on the back of an elephant. Uh, they're, they're not going to move the elephant. It's just going to be a little annoyance. Uh, so whatever I can do to get rid of the annoyance uh, is what Pilate does. Um, I don't know why the church has preached 
that it was the Jews that do this, uh, because biblically, I know that you get some of that, like the Jews, but that when you get closer to the end of his crucifixion, it switches from the Jews to the crowd screams, crucify him. That's on purpose. The Jews don't do that, but the ones Caiaphas beats him up in his own house and then gives him over to Pilate to be have another mock trial. Here's where it's historically questionable. <clears throat> the only time that the Sanhedrin would send someone to the Roman governor is as if they thought this person could cause uh, a problem between the Jewish world and the Roman world. Like, this guy is being such a revolutionary that he is going to make it so we can't pay your taxes. He's committed murder on a Roman citizen. So therefore, it's your job to, to try him, not ours. Uh, it has to break Roman law in order for them to bring him to trial for the Roman governor. Does that make sense? Could they... Uh... Could Jewish law kill? So I know we talked about stoning and the other stuff. Mm -hmm. They could do that without Rome's permission. I always was wondering if, if it was a capital offense or something. They had to go through Rome. Had to get permission. Uh -huh. But Jews, the 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 beautiful part about the way the writers do this is they don't want the 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 dirtiness on their hands. Now the church has preached it. Oh well, the, they want the dirtiness on their hands. But the the Jewish culture says no, no, let Rome kill them. So that it shows that we truly are the religious elite. We are doing what God wanted us to do. And Rome killed that guy. It wasn't our fault. Look, Rome Rome killed him. It, it, but the church, I'm talking big C now, yeah. has continued to perpetuate this idea that, well, no, no. The Jews convinced the Roman Empire to kill him. And, and so, therefore, the Jews kill him. Well, I almost think. That's kind of strange. Yeah, like no, the good. church or the big C sort of says, like, well, if we had been there in that trial at that time, yeah, no, that's we exactly would have right. been defending Jesus, you know. But really, the reality is probably all of us would have been in that same crowd with that same mentality of this person declaring himself to be God, you know, unless you knew him. Exactly. We'd be very aggravated. There We'd be aggravated go. right now if somebody was walking around. And it doesn't matter if you're Roman or Jewish. Right. If you want to go big C, the Pope has already said. That he's, you know, blasphemed and stated this and that and the other. I mean, it's if <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is the leader of that religious group has already condemned him, and we, as members of that church, would be very diff or have a difficult time disagreeing with what exactly said, especially since we don't know what happened that's right we weren't there so there was not a public trial which is what should have taken place they then present them to Pilate, as if this is based off of the entire community why not herod good question because herod could do it uh well it's herod uh, probably would enjoy doing it luke puts him in the conversation matthew on the other hand doesn't so he goes straight to the source um Straight to the one where they can do it. That's right. Herod Herod is just kind of a well. He's yeah. He's he's a schmuck. Like entertainment. <laughs> he's, he's like entertainment. That's a I remember. Right. It is. Yeah. A, so so. Uh, no, no, no. We 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 taught that he was, but he he really was not. He he was appointed by Rome 
to to be the the Roman king, um, aka senator. But uh, it's fascinating. Over over the years, we found out that that's that's not necessarily true. So, uh, so so I I wanted to point out some of the fallacies of this historically that the church has perpetuated. And you're going to see proof of what I'm, I feel like you're going to see proof of what I'm saying. As we read Matthew, you're going to go, huh, that's not how I remembered it at all. <clears throat> Luke has more of a story of that we know um, and parts of John, um, because John has this really elaborate story of Jesus's passion week where Matthew and Luke don't. Uh, and Mark's is very short. So one quick question mm -hmm. in all of this. I, John, John is written for what the church wants us to, to know. I mean, this is I, how we're supposed to yeah, be. I'm not yep. saying that in a bad way. No, that's for what the church is built on. Yeah. So it's written. So that we will continue that line of thought is what I'm trying to say. That's correct. And it's done with lots of thought and several years later. Yes. And, and this is literally written in such a way that uh, shows the fallacy of what happens at Jesus' death. Like oh. it, it, it could have been avoided. Paul never addresses it, does he? No. And the only reason I mentioned him is trying to get yeah. as close to time wise. Yeah, Paul Paul focuses in on death on a cross. It's already happened. It's yeah. And well and, and that cross thing, the audience would have heard differently than Matthew's group would have would have paid attention to his death. But Paul is really focusing in on that death on a cross literally meant that he was wrongfully murdered by the roman empire and and he writes it in such a way we have to be careful of how we live within this world uh they don't care that's right I mean, and, and and here's your proof they crucified our cross our christ on a cross like and and you know just just an awful way so i want to read the the commentary dr carter puts in here just to kind of help me with this the Jerusalem elite hands Jesus over to Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, generally, only Rome exercised the death penalty. Given the self-interest of the alliance of Rome and the leaders and the bias of justice toward the elite against low-status provincials, Jesus cannot receive a fair trial. The chapter exposes the self-serving agenda of Roman justice, which is not what we've taught, right? Uh, we're we're going to talk about Jesus' death here in just a second, but... Uh, I just wanted you guys to be knowing, knowing of that. When we get to verses 11 through 26, Jesus's trial before Pilate. As a Roman governor, Pilate has responsibility for taxes and public order. Generally, governors had a reputation for enriching themselves. The, gov the term governor slash ruler identifies Jesus as a governor slash ruler. Both rulers represent different empires. God's or this is my favorite, Satan's slash Rome's. The title King of the Jews was claimed by an insurrectionist whom Rome had just killed. Pilate asked Jesus if he is leader of the resistance. 
Pilate is concerned with Jesus's political threat, and Jesus does not answer, but it is intimated into submission. Intimidated, sorry. Pilate offers the crowd a referendum, a, a different form of resistance. Barabbas is probably another bandit or terrorist, and Jesus embraces non-violent resistance. Pilate uses a series of questions to gauge how much support Jesus has and how much danger he poses. Uh, and then he goes into the theology, but I don't want that. In washing his hands, Pilate tries to evade his responsibility. He does not think Jesus is innocent. Uh, rather, Pilate offloads responsibility for Jesus' death onto the crowd. He uses their cult mob mentality. What was Rome good for? Getting the crowd. Uh, he calls their call for Jesus' death to mask the elite's blatant effort to remove an opponent. Roman justice is all washed up. The crowd, manipulated by the elite, accepts responsibility. Uh, these tragic words have contributed terribly to Christian anti-Jewish actions and claims that Jews are Christ killers whom God has rejected. Such misreadings are false and must be rejected. The people are not all Jews for all time and not even all first century Jews. In the narrative, they are a particular crowd in Jerusalem controlled by the elite. The narrative shows that Pilate and the leaders, not the crowd, are responsible for Jesus' death. The crowd cries, do not remove them from uh, God, uh, Jesus' death. Oh, sorry, from God's favor. Even the elite fear that the people will believe and the disciples have a mission to all the world, including Jews. The reference to and on our children links their responsibility to the fall of Jerusalem in 70 and interprets it as a punishment for rejecting Jesus. This claim is, of course, Christian, uh, and it blames a small group for the disaster. It is not an objective statement, and God's wrath once recognized is never long-lasting, but God's mercy endures forever. Blood signifies forgiveness, and so includes this crowd in forgiveness and saving purposes. And then Jesus is crucified. So, I wanted you to hear that. That's Dr. Carter's commentary about this before we actually read it. Jesus has a couple radicals as disciples. He does. Uh, and but they, they getting ready to die. Yeah. And they want they want Jesus yeah. to, to be the carrying the sword. That's right. They don't anyway, they don't want him to be a passive. And it's getting ready to mess it all up. Yeah. Is Paul born at this point? Paul's before this. Oh, you mean like in real life? Yeah. Like Saul who became Paul? I think he was a yeah. kid. Could have been a kid. We know that he was holding the cloaks of them that were wanting to stone Andrew. So that would have been late, for, early 40s, probably. I mean, some, some. So Jesus dies in 33-ish, mm -hmm. right? That's That's where we attribute it to. It's probably between 33 and 35. Paul's first letters start around 45 um, that we can tell, right? Um, so Paul could have been a kid. Is he in the temple? Who, Paul? Paul. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm thinking he's probably a kid at this point. Like, cause. But I mean, just. He's watching. Yeah. Could he have seen what he, was going on? He could, he could have seen. Wasn't his dad a rabbi or something like that? Uh, just depends on who you talk to. 
I mean, Paul's story is really interesting. Paul's dad was Paul Roman. Roman citizen, so his dad was Roman. Yeah. So he wouldn't have been a rabbi. But he had some sort of part within the religious group. His mom was definitely Jewish. That's why he's Jewish and, and Roman. So um, so there's this weird thing. So we think that maybe Paul could have been a kid and witnessed this. Maybe he heard about it, but he, he becomes... He, he's definitely raised with this strong religious belief in Torah. And so uh, what Jesus is teaching is not anti-Torah. It just is a different way of thinking about it. So it's it's extreme. I mean. But he messes with the temple. Who? Paul? Jesus. He says it. Yeah, he says. Oh, and he threw the t- temple tables. Tables. Yeah, and 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 Luke's yeah gospel that, that definitely, uh, well Matthew's too I think yeah so there's this there's this weird thing but but he does it in a, in a way that a a Pharisee would like a, a rabbi would have like this is not for the glory of God I notice nobody gets mad at him for that yeah. what they get mad at it, Jesus for is healing on the Sabbath that's his ultimate crime <laughs> and, and and like at the end of the day. When, when he starts getting really in trouble, it says he heals on the Sabbath and he preaches. Um, and, he, and he heals people and it starts to cause quite a ruckus. But that's ultimately what started it. So he heals somebody on the Sabbath and then they, they, he answered the questions appropriately, which made other people look stupid. So, well, here we go. When morning came... All the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring him about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, remember, the bad guy, his betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed. And he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury since they are blood money, which they gave. But, you know, whatever. After conferring together, they used them to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. Which is funny because it's still there. Um, For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. There then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And they took the 30 pieces of silver. Um, I lost my face. On whom some of the people of Israel had set a price. And they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Um, now Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called uh, notice his name says Jesus uh, Barabbas. Um, 
some people take out Jesus, but the Greek text has that. Um, so after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah or the Christ? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, this is the part that's important. His wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Then uh, all of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, "Why? what evil has he done? But the sh they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather than uh, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. Um, see to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed them over to be crucified. So... Uh, let's see. We got time. I'm going to read just a little bit more. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole court cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And after mocking him, they stripped him of the robe, and putting his own clothes on him, then they led him to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man, Cyrene, named Simon, a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross, and when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put this charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And then those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, um, I did it again. 40. Thank you. You would uh, who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot even save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and, he, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he wants to, for he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm finished his death. From noon on, darkness came over the whole play, land until three in the afternoon. And at about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. 
that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which some of some of the bystanders heard it. They said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him in, to drink. But the other said, wait, let's let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And after his resurrection, they came out of the tombs uh, and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now, when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was God's son. Many women were also there looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and provided for them. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Um, and, I, and I think we're going to stop there for today. Um, so I want you to notice that he, he washes his hands, but ultimately he, his soldiers crucify Jesus. Did you catch that? Did you notice that there's not the big drawn out story that he's walking down the road and he, that, that the Via Della Rosa, there's, there's, there's not that story here. It's it's very succinct. He they they put him on a cross after beating him. Notice that it wasn't in public. They took him in the back. They beat him up. They put the crown of thorns on him. So he, nobody else saw that. And it's very um, what's the word clinical? Like then the soldiers take him to this place. They have they they. They grab Simon of Cyrene. Notice that's not the story we always hear. We always hear that he buys him the tomb, right? Well, we will hear that later. But the point is, is Joseph Arimathea. But Simon of Cyrene has this beautiful uh, church for him uh, in on the Via Della Rosa. That's where I'm, my brain got messed up. Uh, he, so you 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 you're walking down this Via Della Rosa, but none of that is in this story. He doesn't stumble, doesn't stumble twice. They just take him up there. They crucify him. Um, That's what's important. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just getting to the, what's important. That's it. The resurrection for Matthew is what's important. the important story. But there's so much in all of that that you read to, to unpack. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. We were watching a show the other day that they were talking about Judas. And I don't know how how much stock to put into it but that Judas hung himself in a in a place directly across from the dwellings of the leaders of the Sanhedrin huh. so that that as it was kind of a in your face thing it, 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 would, it would always remember that he hung himself in the front yard basically um, as an act of Defiance. Defiance. Yeah, even after death. It's interesting. I think one of the other Gospels says that he threw himself off of a cliff and that he hit the ground and burst open, basically. 
And then I've heard some people that combine that, that he hung himself on a tree that was over a cliff. The rope broke <laughs> and then and then he he fell and got splattered, which I, it's probably they're trying to stitch it all together a little bit. But uh, either way, he it's interesting, too, in this story to me that he has some remorse when he, he reads that. I mean, he regrets what he's done. I think that's where people said that he was trying to get Jesus to become the, Come to the force's yeah, hand yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. The wife of Pilate, when she had the dream and sent him a message. Yeah. And then there's no mention of it. Except there is. You just told us it a while ago. Pilate disappears from history after that. According to me, and, so and that's that's true. His wife's dream was that this man would be part would be the end of us. Mm -hmm. Should have listened to his wife. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and her so from history has nothing but, to do with the Bible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's mm -hmm. did Pilate kind of listen to her when he washed his hands? Yeah, he was trying to get out of it. I we mean, we def we definitely could that, make the case. I, I mean. Mm -hmm. I remember sometimes I have a tendency to stay in this little place and say, well, it it could say that. My, I hear Dr. Dennis Smith saying to me, Josh, you're trying to psychologize the scripture. Mm -hmm. And for them, this is a chronicle of what took place. And I'm like, yeah, but but you could say it. And he goes, yes, Josh, you could absolutely <laughs> say this. I, I look at it as somehow she was able to persuade him. But we cannot ignore the fact that even in this story he, he walks away from it and then his soldiers still crucify still him Rome doesn't care whether he washes hands or not exactly I, he's responsible for what's going on that's right I know his biggest concern the way it reads is the crowd and the uproar and the fact that there's you know a potential riot developing that's probably the thing that would make mm -hmm. the people he reports to not happy so why does the crowd say that his blood be on us and on our children um it is i think it's a direct quote from the book of jeremiah i can't remember that doesn't have anything sending it elsewhere but what is it verse 25, 25. oh uh that's that part i was telling you about was the um recognizing of the the destruction of the temple of jerusalem so now that we've destroyed the, the temple of jerusalem now this will be on all of our children from here on out and we could have avoided it is what they're saying but could they no of course not i mean to me that's you know the, this whole part's no different for judas than it is for Pilate or even Jesus, you know, says, take this away from me, but. I find Simon kind of interesting. If that was us standing by and would we say it's an honor to carry the cross of our Lord? Or would we say, you've got to be kidding. You, you don't surely mean me. You know, I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. I think one of the other guys was kind of makes it. Do type I, yeah. I think the guys with the little pointy thing. I think he was compelled to do it in one of the gospels. <laughs> yeah. Luke, Luke and John have a different narrative yeah. of this, which is why we're definitely doing this in Bible study. Like, um, the 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 walk up to the cross. The the other guys have a totally different take on him. 
Um, Matthew, I think, is implying that the 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 guys with the pointy things said, "You're going to, and you're not." He didn't have a choice. But you're right. There's there's a lot of questions here. Um, Matthew is very clinical about his death. He's very philosophical and theological about his resurrection, um, because that's the point, right? That's the uh, the death had to happen in order for the new empire to be raised for Matthew. So Simon the Cyrene of Africa. Where is Cyrene in Africa? Is that North Africa? I'm not sure. We always picture vision as being a black man, but Egyptian Egypt was in Africa. There were lots of other There's a lot of different uh ethnicities. Um but but we always he's always pictured as being a black man. Mm -hmm. Um, the possibility also that he was, if he's in the crowd and he's from Africa, he, he may be a slave. And most likely. Therefore, pulling a slave in to do it, they weren't really pulling anybody. They were just grabbing slaves. Yeah. Uh, Luke 23, 26 says, as they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it. So it's an interesting. Yeah, Matthew's just trying to get him up to be crucified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. saying whether there was crowds or wasn't crowds. Or did you notice also that at his death there wasn't a huge crowd there present? Just this, this kind of bystanders and people walked by. Yeah, it's almost and, like people going by on the road yeah, or something. Yeah, that's not how. Normal. That's not what yeah, we. Business. Yeah. Well, and, and how we preach it usually, we don't talk about it that way. Yeah. We talk about it as this big, uh, dramatic event. Isn't I mean, wouldn't that have been typical though that they would have crucified somebody on road coming into town so the people could see? I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I okay. have gained the understanding that you know the cemeteries are on the road going to town, so everybody so could, oh, they must have been rich or you know, yeah, they were important people. Yeah, and the further they were away from the road, the less important. Anyway, which always struck me. Then you see, it, you know, the pictures of Jerusalem, the cemetery out there. I don't picture ours is away from town. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's where most of them are. Right. Or town grows around them, and they end up being down to, or part of town. But <clears throat> well, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. Mike Wilder is having, he's got like five stitches in his eyes. He's having two 